Welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. How'd you guys like that new intro song? Sounds pretty good, right? Uh, in case you're joining us for the first time, I am Senior Master Craig Greca. I'm a sixth degree black belt in the Universal Martial Art, a fifth degree master in the Taekwondo Martial Art. And I'm also a brown sash in Kung Fu, and I've been training for over two years at Kabuto Weapons. And I'm here today to discuss the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe. And today's example comes to us from the Cobra Kai, specifically because they mention it a lot. And that is uh, when Daniel LaRusso talks a lot about the heritage and history of Miyagi-Do. Now, he truly believes that because of his legacy, that the martial art is superior to others. Now, this was most of the basis for his fight with Johnny Lawrence, because Daniel did not respect the fact that Johnny Lawrence's martial art practice did not come from customs and long-standing history. And that's exactly what we're talking about today, the origin of martial arts. Okay, so our topic today is the, about the origin of martial arts, and uh, we're going to give it a brief, uh, brief um, try on it today. Okay. Uh, we'll probably do a follow-up onto this later because there is so much history on this. However, my personal history is that I have been I've enjoyed martial arts since way before I started taking uh, formal training at age 14. Um, I can't remember when I did not like martial arts. Okay, so from my earliest memory, probably age five, I can remember liking martial arts. Um, I used to watch martial art movies, read martial art books. I did martial art research on my own, and I trained in the backyard until I started as a white belt. Now, uh, even when I did do formal training, I continued to supplement my martial art training at home. Uh, we mostly practiced uh, a form of ninjutsu at home, having fun sneaking around and climbing everywhere like ninjas. Okay, so that was a lot of fun growing up. A lot of fond memories. Now, um, usually in our podcast, we usually go over some kind of um, some kind of work task, like uh, you know, waxing the waxing and washing the car. But today, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to be examining the origin of martial arts. Okay, so part of the work is doing the research. Okay, now <clears throat> first of all, the ancient origins of martial arts are hard to pin down due to the fact that records were not kept, sometimes things were not written down, sometimes things were lost, burned, or destroyed in some way, like a war. Okay. Um, most of the applicable origins for you guys out there, and that stuff that you guys would actually recognize and hear about, is happened within the last hundred years. So we're going to be covering today a brief history of the last hundred years of martial arts, okay? Now, it's kind of funny, I, 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 honestly, when I did research on this, because it all centers around one person that you wouldn't think of as being a martial arts enthusiast, okay? So shortly around 1900, President Theodore Roosevelt took Cornish wrestling. Okay? He was interested in Cornish wrestling. Okay, I believe he was a governor at the time he took that. 
And then about a few years later, he became president and he started being trained um, on judo. He started learning judo. Okay. So um, that uh, made it gain popularity because, you know, a governor and a president was learning martial arts. Okay. And um, later on, wrestling and boxing become Olympic sports. Okay. So they were featured in the Olympics. And I believe they still do to this day. Then in uh, 1925, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was formed, and they started their first dojo, okay? Then in 1930, Muay Thai is started, as well as Krav Magra, okay? Now, there are some more ancient martial arts than these are, okay? Including some of the variations of uh, Kung Fu and also Karate, uh, but we're going to touch on those a little bit more later, okay? But these are the more modern equivalents. Then, um, speaking of that, in 1935, karate becomes the official name of Okinawan martial arts, meaning empty hand, okay? Before that, it was called te, or T, and it was just called hand, okay? So, hand kind of combat. In 1950, um, it man moves to Hong Kong and starts the first Wing Chun school, okay? And that's significant because Ip Man is the one who trained Bruce Lee. A lot of people know who Bruce Lee is, okay? So that's significant for that reason. Um, after World War II ends, in 1955, they formed uh, Taekwondo. It's basically born then, okay? Um, then later, in 1959, um, Bruce Lee arrives in America and starts teaching Kung Fu to Westerners, okay? Now, remember, that was frowned upon back then, okay? Uh, a lot of times in martial arts, um, the learning of martial arts was kept between a master and a student, and it wasn't shared that often, okay? Usually, you'd have to go seek your master out and convince him or maybe her to, um, to train you, okay, in that martial art. So that's another reason why the origins of martial arts are hard to pin down. Then later on, in 1964, judo becomes an Olympic sport. Okay, you're seeing the trend here. Okay, In 1967, Bruce Lee um, formed Jeet Kune Do, which is a hybrid between stand-up and ground martial arts. Okay, And that's significant for later on in their history lesson. In 1973, Enter the Dragon comes out. Okay, the Enter the Dragon movie. Now, that's a significant movie because that was a very popular movie and inspired a lot of people to take martial arts. Okay, um, it was a, just an awesome movie and it, um, it still holds to this day. Unfortunately, though, Bruce Lee dies that year as well. Okay, so that was kind of a sad thing. Uh, which, in a way, if you want to look at martial art history, kind of martyrizes him, okay? So now he's forever young and forever um, at that same peak level of performance, okay? Then um, in 1985, uh, Satoru Sayama forms Shoot, Shuto, okay? Um, it's a shoot wrestling organization. And the reason why I remember this for is I watched a movie called Shoot Fighter a long time ago that was kind of based on this, okay? 
I'm not sure if it's probably loosely based on it, but it had um, uh, the guy who plays um, Johnny Lawrence. Okay, so that's why it was kind of funny. And I've actually met uh, the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence, William Zapka, and um, we talked about that movie. He goes, I can't believe anybody remembers that movie. You know, and I, when I talked to him about it, um, it was kind of funny, you know, because uh, I remember him seeing him in that movie. That was one of the, the other martial art movies that I saw him in. It wasn't that great of a movie. That's why he was kind of um, <clears throat> uh, curious as to why I knew that. So, uh, but anyways, um, that that particular shoot fighting, shoot fighting, shoot wrestling organization. I started saying the movie name instead of the uh, martial art. Shoot, uh, it ends up becoming the first mixed martial arts organization in the world. Okay. So it becomes the first mixed martial arts organization, organization in the world. That's significant. Okay. Now, in 1993, the first ultimate fighting championship, the UFC, is held. Okay. So that was a, that was a uh, precursor to uh, the 1993 when the UFC is held. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner Royce Gracie wins the event. Okay. And you wonder why that's so important. Okay. Because after that, Everybody wanted to learn ground martial arts, okay, because he, uh, he won the event. So everybody was curious as to how good ground martial arts are, okay? Um, I could say now just with, with certainty that a lot of strikers have won the UFC title since then. So it's taken kind of some of the, some of the uh, fame of the, um, <clears throat> of the ground fighting martial arts away. Um, but as you can see from uh, the, the brief history here, Bruce Lee was, was already introducing that in uh, Jeet Kune Do with a mixture of stand-up martial arts and ground-fighting martial arts. Okay, so you see how the trend's been going. In 1920, no, 1921, in 2021, karate becomes an Olympic sport. Okay, so finally the karate, which is the martial art that was available 2,000 years ago, finally becomes an Olympic sport. You know, that's great. Um, so that's kind of become full circle. It's kind of funny about that. But anyways, that's a super brief modern history, but it highlights some of the key developments that shape martial arts over the past century. Okay? Now, one thing to note about ancient martial arts that, that people have said, in history, the best martial arts have become when there is a merging of two cultures. Okay, so every time there's a merging of two cultures, that's when the best martial arts become apparent. Okay, so that's significant because that's something like that's a trend that we've seen, and it's something useful to plan for the future, which is one of the reasons why we learn about history in the, in the, in the first place, is to see what things have changed over the years, to not repeat mistakes, and be able to learn and prosper in the future. Okay, now um, our martial art practice today after our brief history, is focusing first on the basic punch, okay? Now, I encourage all my students to try to do 10 front punches and 10 rear punches, okay? So front hand and rear hand, so that you can punch uh, like a boxer. you got to be, be versatile. But the basic punch has changed a bit over the years, okay? And it is, it is the basis for most striking martial arts these days. Now, Students are learning now how to throw their weight into the punch to achieve, um, to, better, to have a better chance of causing damage and being able to deter an opponent, you know, for self-defense reasons. So you have to have a strong punch. Now, what I mean by throwing your weight, 
is being able to push off your back foot, put your hip and thigh first using sequential muscle movement, and then getting a big chest stretch to be able to use a um, pre-stretched muscle uh, for a plyometric chest stretch to be able to launch it faster and stronger and with more range of motion than normal, okay? Flipping your shoulder into it at the end. Now, um, those are, we're using more science to try and figure out how to generate force nowadays, okay? And that's the basis of my martial art training. Now, the uh, basic front kick is also another one that you can try with the front leg and also with the back leg, okay? Now, it has changed over the years to incorporate more of the upper leg and hip instead of just the front snap kick that's used in Taekwondo, okay? Um, I think sometimes, if you look in history, sometimes they've used the whole leg. Sometimes they've used um, more of the upper leg, more of the lower leg. But in, in practice, you need to be able to use everything, okay? So you have to use the upper leg and the lower leg in sequential muscle movement uh, type of situation. And you also, too, have to be able to train safely so that you don't injure your knees or elbows for the punch um, over time because it does no good to be able to defend, to, to defend yourself and to uh, fight if you're going to be a crippled old man or old lady someday because you trained with wrong training methods, okay? Um, also, too, a lot of times in traditional martial arts, they would do an action-reaction type of, uh, of a martial art technique that would make them feel like they were powerful but didn't actually generate more force. Through science and through technology, we've been able to see what generates force and what doesn't generate force, okay? And that's why you see this kind of punch in, um, in boxing, and that's why you see these kind of kicks um, in the UFC these days, because they have used science to try and make those techniques stronger, so they can be able to uh, get at those upper fighting level championships. Um, using, as a, just a note, using the whole body in your striking movements enables a more powerful kinetic technique. And the focus is kinetic, okay? You want to get impact power, impact power, not push power, okay? Pushing an opponent with a technique should only be used to gain distance um, to, use a, to do follow-up techniques that have more range of power, of uh, motion, my bad. So uh, pushing an opponent with a technique should only be used to gain distance to use follow-up techniques that have more range of motion, okay? Um, there's another area of practice called pressure points, and uh, you learn where certain vulnerable parts of the body can, are and can be studied to be able to cause more damage. However, in my experience and in others who have studied these, it takes a lot of learning to know where these are, how to hit them, and what weapon to hit them with. And they're hard to hit when your opponent is trying not to get hit and protecting those vulnerable areas. Like, for example, the groin. Okay, um, Guys are taught from an early age to protect that area. So going directly to that area is not a great idea um, when you're trying to be able to defend yourself. Okay, so you go to those areas, they block it, they flinch, they get out of the way, they dodge it, so that you, it's a hard time hitting it. 
Okay, so you may strike out, is what I'm saying, and be able to use something else, a, a different technique, with, where, where there's a vulnerable area that they may not know about that's easier to strike. Okay, so as I said, that takes a lot of training to do that. Okay, and some martial arts that teach that take five to 10 years to gain proficiency. Sometimes you don't have that long to learn how to defend yourself. Okay, so we focus a lot in our martial art by just being able to hit the bigger targets because then you could uh, at least hit them and cause damage. Another one today, since we're talking about the striking martial arts and the ground martial arts, I wanted to incorporate one of the um, grappling type of movements. The basic arm bar okay, is used in a lot of um, fighting contests these days with UFC. It's a grappling move that can be done to hold a person for a brief time. Okay, like for example, a police officer or a boxer, you know, boxer, a bouncer, my bad. Uh, slipping up on my words today. So, um, yeah, bouncers use them to hold people and also police use them as well. Okay, or you can use them to deter an attack, like, hey, I, I, I've got you in this arm bar, um, please don't continue to attack or I will, you know, hurt you. You know, um, you can also use it to get into position to do more damage. Okay. It's done in a few ways, but a common way is to grab the wrist, take the arm over your head, and twist it while holding onto that wrist to cause them not to have access to their arm anymore. Okay? It also causes pain. Um, it can also be done too when someone tries to get you into a rear choke, and then you grab the wrist and dip your head out from underneath your opponent's arm. Okay, you also can get them in an arm bar that way as well, and you can hold them. Okay, until they get out. Um, so that's the basic arm bar. And we can cover more ground fighting things in the future, but I wanted to cover that one today so that you guys start to have one thing uh, to use as your arsenal towards the grappling uh, martial arts. Now, um, the mental training for martial arts today, I focused on something very simple concept, but a very important concept since we're talking about the origin of martial arts. Now, Bruce Lee was a philosopher as well as a um, martial artist. I believe that he studied philosophy in school, college, okay? So he had a lot of things to say, and um, he um, said one time, he had a whole explanation, and I don't have that all today, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to quote one quote that's been used a lot with Bruce Lee, and that's Bruce Lee's quote of, be like water, my friend. Be like water, my friend. Okay, now he went on philosophically to say a lot of things about how, how powerful the force of water is. Okay, how it can be, um, but, it, but it's, I'll, I'll tell you what it simply means. It simply means to be flexible in both mind and body. It's about not being rigid and stubborn about your beliefs, practices, understanding, and instead about being open-minded and able to change and to adapt to the circumstances that we are put into. Okay? Be water, my friend. Okay? So he was a big philosopher about that, and that's important. That's not just important in martial arts, but it's also important in life. Okay? And also important in your work life and your home life and everything. So it's a very uh, well-rounded um, philosophy. And a great quote. Okay, now um, the um, 
We're getting ready to wrap up here. A couple things. First, uh, the technique of the week is the arm bar. Since we talked about that a little bit, it's the arm bar. So start practicing that, grabbing the wrist, twisting it, okay? Um, and then you could uh, get people into that, that position, okay? The secret phrase this week, can you guess what it is? It's not too hard to guess. Bruce Lee's, be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Okay? Now, um, remember that uh, in order to fully learn any kind of martial arts through the origin and history of martial arts, you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed this brief history of martial arts. Remember that um, we're learning martial arts through everyday work, thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.